Hi everyone, welcome to another comics loving edition of Words, Images, and Worlds. Delighted on this episode to be talking with someone who knows the world of comics well, um, someone who has explored the history of comics, and someone who has some really nice visual framing on your video as well. There's like books on one side, books on the other. Um, so so I can tell you you pay attention to the visual, which is always nice. Um Yeah, yeah, and that is author Ken Quattro. May I call you Ken? Is that okay? Certainly. That's my name. All right, all right. Um, well, Ken, thanks for joining for a talk. And I'll mention a particular work of yours, which is Invisible Men, uh, Trailblazing Black Artists of Comic Books. Um, so much appreciation there for the, the work that you've done in documenting some of the movements in comics as well. Thank you. Yeah. Spent a lot of time on that book over 20 years, so yeah. a lot of a lot of research went into it. Yes, I imagine so. I imagine so. Lots of comics reading and and other a lot, lot of digging through archives. That's kind of what I do. Is uh, I do a lot of archival research. Um, my whole thing is is basically using primary sources when I write about histories mm -hmm. instead of. My personal opinion is is that comics history has been uh, ill served by uh, a lot of it being written based upon uh, anecdotal evidence or apocryphal stories and things like that. And um, mm -hmm. what I do is go beyond that. Is is I go back to primary sources, newspaper articles, magazine articles, uh, interviews, whatever I can find um, to sort of supplement, you know, uh, the histories that I write. And uh, I've been doing that for over 50 years. So yeah, yeah. I've been investing in it a long time. What what connected you with um, comics and, and the world of comics? Oh, geez. Okay. <laughs> well, I started reading comics in 1961, which is uh, probably what your grandfather would uh, tell you. But uh, <laughs> uh, my first comic book, actually, is The Flash number 121. That's how specific I am, because I can remember seeing it on the new, on the on the rack, on the spinner rack at the time. Nice. And uh, I'd only been exposed to classic comic books my older brother had. And uh, I saw this character running along a telephone wire and he's being pursued by another guy in a red suit with a lightning bolt on his chest. And I go, what is this? I was just a little kid. And it was unlike anything else I'd ever seen. Yeah, And I was immediately hooked. And that was it. I mean, just... Ever since in comic books, it literally changed my life. I mean, the, the whole direction of my life, everything I ever wanted to do. I wanted to be a comic book artist, so I studied art for 20 years and, uh, you know, throughout school and college and everything like that. But uh, back when I wanted to get in the comic art, uh, in the 70s and that, it was comic books were in kind of a rough shape at the time. Mm -hmm. And uh, it wasn't paying much. And so, you know, I, I had to go in other directions and that, but uh, I've loved comics my entire life. And um, I became interested in the history of the medium outside of just what appears on the page. <laughs> and, um, you know, that drove me to investigate, you know, the people who create the comic books, the artists, the writers, the publishers, and everything uh, surrounding it. Because, uh, and I've come to discover that comic books have a, a special place in American culture in particular, in world culture, mm -hmm. certainly, but 
my specialty is American comic books. And um, like I said, I've spent over 50 years now, you know, digging into it and trying to find the place that comic books and comics in general uh, serve in American culture. And it's, it's much greater than people realize. We have a very myopic, uh, myopic uh, view of comic books. Uh, we're very insular in a sense that once you're a comic book fan, you only see comic books in you know, the people who create them and stuff like that. But comic books in general have had a, you know, a direct impact on American culture. Mm-hmm. Not just nowadays where they're, uh, they're more popular, but even back in the day, going back to the 1930s and 40s, there was a lot of um, oh, people involved in comics and uh, organizations involved in comics and, and a lot of outside forces involved in comics that uh, most comic book fans don't realize. And uh, my whole thing is, is to sort of like present this macro view of a comics history instead of the, the microscopic view that most you know, comic fans have. Mm-hmm. I like to take a wider view of comics history. And that's kind of what led me to write uh, Invisible Men. Is um, it, it's, a, it's a long story involved in it, because, but I became interested in, in this artist named Matt Baker mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, 20 some years ago. And Matt Baker is, is one of the great comic book artists of all time, but specifically of the 1940s, of the golden age of comics. And uh, very few people knew much about Matt Baker back at the time, you know, 20 some years ago, other than the fact that he was a black artist. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the apocryphal stories was that he was the only black artist working in comic books at that time, which just logically didn't seem right. I mean, out of the millions of black people in the United States, only one worked in the comic book industry, you know, mm-hmm. an industry that employed thousands of people. So I began looking into Matt Baker and I began contacting all my different sources and looking around and I couldn't find anything more until finally somebody directed me towards a man named uh, Samuel Joyner, who was a retired black cartoonist in Philadelphia. And he had known Matt Baker. He was a much older man. He was retired himself. He was in his 80s at the time. And I contacted Mr. Joyner. And this is all pre-internet, we have to understand. This or, or the internet was just beginning. So a lot of this was done through correspondence in the old, literally, I would type out a letter to somebody and asking information. Mm-hmm. And the majority of the time when you contact somebody in a, in a cold call like that, you get nothing back. Mm-hmm. Well, Mr. Joyner not only answered me with a four-page detailed letter, but he sent me all these news clippings and stuff. And Jason, I was stunned. I mean, this man just opened my eyes to the fact like not only was there Matt Baker, a black artist working in comic books, but there's other black artists who'd work in comic books. Mm. And that just started me on this whole uh, journey to try to see who else was involved. But the problem was, is that most of the sources I normally used, which are libraries and um, you know, institutions like that, museums, didn't have anything at all about any of these Black artists. Mm-hmm. So I started thinking about it, and I had to uh, redirect my thinking. So I started looking into Black media, 
And I started reading black newspapers from that time and black magazines and interviews with uh, people. And the problem was, is that there was no one source mm-hmm. to go to. I mean, it was wasn't like there was one library that had all these black newspapers. Unfortunately, the thinking back in the day was, is that black newspapers were disposable. So no libraries kept them. They would keep mm-hmm. the New York Times or the LA Times, but they would not keep any black newspapers. So I had to do all this piecemeal. And that's why it took me 20 years. I had to just, wherever I could find information and wow. piece together all these stories. And uh, I also did genealogical research too at the same time, which is something I do with a lot of the people I write about because I, I want to understand where they came from mm-hmm. and what their place is in the world. Again, we have a very myopic view of comic book artists and writers and thinking about all they do is comic books. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. every person is, is much more than their job and that's what i try to uh express in my writing and that's what i've done over the years but specifically with these black artists i did in this book and i focused upon 18 of the artists the most prominent black artists i could find and that's what you know when the book came out it's the book has really transcended comics history because i've gotten more uh feedback from people who've never read anything about comic books than people in people within the comic book industry. I mean, I've been contacted by the head librarian at the Library of Congress who bought the book and she interviewed me. She had me on a a, a broadcast with her and stuff like that because it revealed so much information that uh, culturally had never been studied before, you know, of parts of black history and American history. And again, that's what I try to do with my writing is just show where comic books, the place of comic books within the realm of the wider scope of history. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's it's an amazing work and an amazing kind of act of care. And uh, as you were talking about the, the days before the Internet, I was just thinking back to that art of writing a letter and then you're absolutely right. You might get something back. You might not. Um, and you would not be getting it back immediately if you did get oh, anything no. back. It, it would be months. It would be months. A lot of times. I mean, I corresponded with everybody from like Will Eisner, Alex Toth and uh, Joe Kubert. And I can't even think of how many different artists. A lot of times you could back two or three sentences mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. some people would spend the time. Joe Kubert spent the time to write me a nice letter in some detailed information, you know, but that's how it was back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. You know, to do it. And it's, it was kind of nice. I mean, one, you have the tangible copy to hold in your hands. You're like, wow, this is, you know, written by Will Eisner, you know, and he spent the time to uh, sit down and write me a letter, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. but that's one of the things that we're losing nowadays is, is the tangible history. And that's one of the things I kind of worry about as a, comics historian is a lot of the stuff we do now is all digital and virtual mm-hmm. and i worry about the uh you know going forward in the future when people come to study our time you know what will exist what will be there for them uh, to see yeah yeah and and do i spot an eisner over your shoulder there uh, the... yeah i won yeah. the eisner award for yeah. the best comics related book in 2021 yeah, yeah, no small feat there either. 
it was nice to get it. I was shocked that I got it, but it was nice. Yeah. Um, Unfortunately, it was during COVID and I didn't get to go and receive uh, it in person, but it was a nice uh, thing. Yeah, yeah. Any particular questions that you're currently drawn to and exploring in comics or any particular artists that you're currently exploring as well? Uh, I'm constantly exploring stuff. I mean, yeah. it's I'm like a, a shark. I never stop. <laughs> um, I have any number of projects I'm working on. One book that's almost done, uh, which... I can't say too much about it because there's certain things I'm sworn to secrecy because I have contracts and that, but um, mm -hmm. supposedly it, it's to be made into a movie. Uh, oh, wow. Okay, you know, cool. Afterwards and stuff like that. But as time allows, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll tell people more about it. Uh, and then it's just generally, I collaborate a lot with other historians. I, I write uh, chapters for books and, um, uh, help with the background and a lot of sources, a lot of things you read on Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. if, if you do a search, we'll see it came from me originally in that. And, uh, it's just something I've always done. I've sort of like always hung in the background and I'd help out on TV shows and movies and things like that. They'll contact me for uh, background information, historical information. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So it, it keeps me busy even in old age here. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. Um, any particular kind of interaction that you've had around a, a movie or a TV show or anything like that? that... Well, there was a movie a few years back called uh, Professor Marston and the Wonder Women. Yes. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Okay. Uh, I'm a, I was a historical consultant on that. And um, it even led to a <laughs> sort of a conflict with the director who's uh, named Ava DuVernay, I believe, was the mm -hmm, director mm -hmm. of it. And um, the history, the actual history of William Moulton Larston and the people involved is quite a bit different than what is portrayed on the screen there. Uh -huh. And um, I had a long discussions with her, uh, several of her production assistants who wanted me to read over the uh, script and correct uh, uh, historical inaccuracies, of which there's many. Yeah. And she wouldn't allow me to do that. Uh, she prevented me from doing it. But they still credit me in the film because they did use uh, a lot of my background information and everything. But um, that's kind of the thing you have to deal with when you deal with uh, Hollywood. I was on um, a TV show last year. It's called American Experiences on PBS. Mm-hmm. And uh, they interviewed me for two and a half hours and ended up putting me on screen for about five minutes. I mean, you know, so <laughs> there's a lot of cutting that, that gets done when you uh, do this kind of stuff. But uh, like I say, I've, I've done background for so many um, like newscasts and uh, TV shows where it'll just be a quick like, hey, can you tell us about so-and-so? And, you know, I'll, I'll write a quick paragraph or two. That's most of the time what it is. Yeah, yeah. I'm friends with a good number of people that teach history, and that's one of the things that I talk with them about is um, looking at filmed versions and then looking at primary sources to try to try to figure out, okay, what's the accuracy, what's the inaccuracy here, where where did they get it right, and where does it sort of go off the rails? Yeah, it, it's it's kind of maddening from my point of view 
but it's it's just the way of the world. You know, they they, they try to um, make stories where stories don't exist, or they'll create, you know, facts, mm-hmm. you know, to just make it more interesting. And uh, I don't know. I, I, I'm a purist. I like to see uh, just facts. In the in this book I'm working on now is so fact-filled and the, and the person involved in it who's at the center of it is so interesting. I believe the history alone is enough, but we'll yeah. see you yeah. know, what will come with it. Yeah, and looking forward to it. Um, I think, let's see, by means of a, a final question, we've talked about questions you're exploring, mm-hmm. um, any particular comics and research that you're currently reading and involved in that you can talk oh, about? <laughs> uh, like I Always said, reading it. Uh, that's, like I said, I'm constantly reading. As you can sort of see back here, you're just seeing the tip of the iceberg behind me here. But uh, mm-hmm. most of my time is spent reading uh, primary sources. I don't really keep up with modern comics that much because one... I don't have really the interest in, in a lot of uh, the more modern comics. Um, mm-hmm. I had a discussion with, uh, I was in a uh, discussion one time with, uh, you know, Scott McLeod. Mm-hmm. And um, the way I, because they were, the question was, is how do we foresee comic books going forward? And I predicted, now this is back about 20 years ago, of more of a boutique kind of a comic book, meaning that they would be smaller in uh, scope and smaller in uh, the amount of people they appeal to, and it'd be more specific. Uh, they were, they would only, you know, maybe appeal to a hundred or so or a couple thousand people instead of these mass produced uh, comic books, you know, that we were used to. I mean, the comic books that sell nowadays, even the best selling ones, sell a fraction of what comics used to in the past. Mm-hmm. And considering that, uh, you know, per capita, you know, we have a much greater um, uh, potential audience out there. Comic books really, at least the print comic books, is basically going away and will go away probably within your lifetime. I don't know about mine, but mm-hmm. they'll disappear except for a niche. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, thing, and who knows? Maybe AI might start creating comic books, and then there'll be no need for artists or writers, which terrifies me thinking about that. But I mean, you can see it in Hollywood. You can see it in, in uh, fine art, uh, in writing. I mean, you know, if if they're being displaced, there's no reason to believe that comic book artists and writers won't be displaced. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I spent over 20 years, you know, as an artist you know, studying art, and it kills me to think about that, that the, the human element will be gone. Yeah. But that's kind of the way I, I look at modern comics. So I do what I can in trying to record the history of the medium uh, to leave it for future historians and, and hopefully anybody who you know wants to pursue it. Because comics and comic art and that should be considered along with uh every other aspect of, of American culture and American history. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, this past summer, I appeared at a convention in Chicago and I had several people come up to me who are history teachers. And what one guy even came up to me and so neat, he had all these uh, 
uh, post-it notes in his copy of my book. And he was telling me how he teaches a whole section of his history class, an American history class, based on my book. Oh, um, nice. Black Art, in which it, that gives me a little warm and fuzzy feeling, knowing that the comics have risen to that level, mm-hmm. that people are, are taking them you know, seriously like that. And like I say, that's, that's my contribution there, and that, that's what I do. As far as modern comics, you know, I, I really am not connected to it, which I'm most sorry to say, but it's just the way it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, by means of, uh, I think, the final official question, spaces where people can go to find out more about your work and any resources that you would want to share for listeners. Oh, gosh. I mean, you go online and Google my name, you'll, you'll find me all over the place because mm-hmm. I've been on so many different sites, but I have my own blog, which I haven't contributed to in a while. It's called Comics Detective, mm-hmm. C-O-M-I-C-S, detective, all one word, dot com. Um, I was given the <laughs> nickname of the Comics Detective a long time ago, and uh, it's just something I use you know, for stuff like that, but that contains a few of my articles. I, every once in a while, I'll write for Alter Ego magazine, which is uh, Roy Thomas's uh, comics history magazine, which I fully uh, support and, and hope people will check it out just for other people, not just for myself. But um, I, like I said, you, you, you Google my name, you're going to find me all over the place. There's so many different books. I and mean, all these books behind me are, are just some of the books I've contributed to. And awesome. Awesome. I'm easy to find if somebody really wants to read it. <laughs> well, well, Ken, I appreciate the work that you do in preserving history and bringing stories to light that uh, otherwise would have been lost, I'm sure, a long time ago. Um, and appreciate what you're doing in education and um, that teachers are bringing your work into the classrooms as well. Yeah. I, like I say, that, that, to me, that that's the... Uh, the greatest thing, I mean, that you know, because I came from a time where comic books were ridiculed. And mm-hmm. they were, you know, if, if you told people you were an adult reading a comic book, they thought you were a moron. Right. You know, to, to the level of respect that they have now. And it's such an important part of American culture that, you know, people are just more receptive to comics. And uh, it's, it's a great time for comics in general. I just don't see going forward you know, what's going to happen. I mean, like I say, the whole AI thing scares the crap out of me. Well, well, I appreciate your time. Glad to have you back anytime. And hopefully AI will, will stay at bay and people will still be enjoying. I uh, hope so, Jason. Yeah. Same. You young guys like that have got to keep it alive. Keep it going. That's right. That's right. That's the right. human the human condition deserves the human voice. Exactly. Perfect Absolutely. perfectly uh, said. I love we'll, it. We'll put that at the bottom. Um, <laughs> okay. Well, right. thank you Jason. Thank you so much. Glad to talk anytime. Sure.